Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Beth Lindop, and today I'm joined by Theo Squires. How are we, Theo? Yeah, not too bad. A decent win down in London at the weekend. Yeah, joining that. Definitely. And Paul Gore, or should I say part-timer, Paul Gore, <laughs> considering you weren't yeah. at, the, uh, at the game on Saturday. You take a weekend off and that's what you get labelled. <laughs> I'm not, not being rude, by the way. I'm just tweeting this, just too professional. This, this live to our audience. <laughs> Did you enjoy your weekend off, a rare weekend off? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good. It was, it was different watching it. From the, from from ours, from the house, um, wouldn't want to get used to it. But yeah, it was it was, it was, it was different. Not having to worry about what me, me first intro is going to be or what are we going to focus on. It was nice just to watch it and relax and just to see the pill stick four past Brentford and go five clear for what three hours. Um, well, Theo was Theo was there. He'll tell you all about it in greater detail <laughs> than I'll be able to. Yeah, you just don't like going to London this season. <laughs> no, yeah, I've missed Tottenham. Palace Arsenal. and now Brentford. Yeah, you see, did what Arsenal and Fulham. Mm. That's your two. Yeah, Arsenal twice. Well, you were there, Theo. I mean, a big win for Liverpool. Yeah. As Gorsty said, it, it sent them five clear at the top of the table for for a little while. Obviously, that gap was was shortened to, to two after Arsenal's win. Um, but but what did you make it make of the performance and the, and the result on Saturday? Uh, it was a really impressive team performance from Liverpool. Like, Dolly and I were talking on the way back, going. No one stood out as the standout excellent player. It was just a really great team performance. They started a little bit slowly, as we've seen a few times this season. Brentford got in behind them a lot, but then they just managed to get hold of possession and they weren't really threatened much the rest of the game. Obviously, it would have been easier to take a few knocks from you lose Jones, you lose Jota, you lose Nunes, and really let your head drop and think this isn't going to be our day. But once again, they dug in. And they were superb the second half in the way they were just pouncing on mistakes, making it count and getting the goals and making it a really emphatic win. Considering this is a ground that hasn't been a happy place for them to go in the past. Brentford are a good team, difficult to play against. They're in your faces, they're physical. Liverpool made it look like just a routine victory in the end. And when you go through that injury list, to do it without so many players makes it all more impressive. Yeah, I mean, it had all the hallmarks, Gorsi, of being a, a potential banana yeah. skin, didn't yeah. it, for Liverpool? 12.30 kick-off against a side that have always been quite tricky to play against for Liverpool. Obviously not a happy hunting ground for them either, the Brentford's home stadium. So for them to sort of come through that test, in spite of all the knocks that they had before the game and during the game, which we'll get onto a little bit later, yeah. but it, it was a real testament, wasn't it, to, to the strength and the resilience of this squad? Yeah, per- per- summed up perfectly well there with the word resilience. I think Liverpool have made a a season-long habit of kind of ignoring the, the, or sort of relying on excuses or mitigation or anything like that. 
if they've got injuries, they've got injuries and they deal with it. You know, if, if they're having a bit of a tough period in games or decisions have gone against them with sendings off or, you know, VAR calls, whatever, whatever it may be, Liverpool don't sort of let it affect them too much and, and they just play their, continue playing their own game. They're confident enough in their own ability, confident enough that there's enough quality across the squad to deal with whoever's injured, whoever's not playing. And and they just get through it, don't they? Um, th- th- this this is a this is a real. I mean, we're seeing it by the fact that the, you know, two points clear of Arsenal at the top, four clear of Man City. But this is a is a proper team that we're watching. A real squad full of quality. It's not one that's you've got you know maybe twelve or thirteen top players and then the the other kind of five to ten aren't up to it. Everywhere you look, there is there are quality players chomping at the bit, ready to step in, deliver. Um, and make it um, hard for the manager to make decisions week to week, game to game. So, you know, you're looking at it now, they've only lost two since, you know, the beginning of April last year, Tottenham away with, with that farce of the DR stuff, the sendings off and whatever else, the 96 minutes on goal and Arsenal a couple of weeks ago, you know, Arsenal away. I think Doherty said it was the second toughest away game of the season or just game in general. And I wouldn't disagree with that. So, um, it still feels like a little bit of a surprise when Liverpool go to Brentford and, and stick four past them and come away with an ultimately comfortable win. Um, but I don't know whether this is a fan base still kind of worrying and and, and the, the memories are too fresh of, of last season when, you know, for so long they were, they were really poor, weren't they? And so many difficult away days and um, so many kind of chastening defeats. But for the best part of a year now, this has been a proper team and I'm seeing it and where they are in the Premier League and the fact that they're able to negotiate so many injuries. Yeah, and, and Gorsi mentioned there about the importance of having a squad and that's particularly important at the moment considering the the number of players that, that Liverpool have out at the minute. I mean, we'll get onto that in a minute, but we'll start with the positives. We'll go through through the goals. I mean, that mm-hmm. Darwin Nunes goal to, to get Liverpool off the mark. I mean, there's so much to enjoy about it. The Diogo Jota header, first of all, was brilliant. Absolutely, you know, Jota at his absolute best there. Um, and then the finish from Nunes, just absolutely exquisite. Um, probably typifies him because it's the most absurd finish to try when you, the goalkeeper's not even sort of gone down. Um, and I think Michael Owen got a little bit of stick this yeah. morning for saying it, it wasn't a smart finish, but I do get what he means because a lot of players wouldn't have sort of the the goal to try that yeah. finish from where Nunes was. It probably typifies him. And we're speaking to a colleague of ours, an Evertonian colleague of ours earlier on, and he said, you know, if, if he only gets the confidence to start finishing like that, then he's going to be some player. But I actually don't think, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think this is going to be the start of a, of a new Nunes, of a run where he's turns into the next Haaland and, you know, all of his, his well, mischances. Weekend, yeah, it? all of his wastefulness sort of goes out the window. I just think it's a further example that this is the sort of player he's going to be. Moments of magic couple with slightly chaotic moments as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's one where he puts it in. Now I'm thinking, oh great, that's one of my analysis points dusted off. He's got a bit of composure. We've not seen that, and then he goes off at half time. But so much more happens in this game. I don't think I even really mentioned it. But he had a, another impressive game, and it's just a precaution that he comes off because of the other two injuries. But such a good finish. Like normally you see him one on one, and he just blazes it straight at the keeper, or he puts it wide. So it's not go for the power. To just put it over the keeper. So I normally can't beat the keeper, so I'm just going to put it over you instead into the empty net. And we saw it a little bit a few weeks ago, like against Bournemouth and a couple of games where he's having tamer finishes, where he was just picking his spot, and you think the composure's there. 
and then the week after he'll miss a couple of sitters and just smash it again. He doesn't seem to be a player that thinks so much or he overthinks maybe when he's in these positions. It's just what comes naturally to him and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's why you love him because he's so unpredictable. But yeah, when he's one-on-one, I think most of us probably expect him this is just going to go straight at the keeper. We're going to be cursing this in an hour's time for him to produce that finish was superb. But then Jota's header was brilliant as well. Like you're not expecting him to not only beat the man in the air, but to pick out that with such accuracy. So Nunes has this easy run at goal. Um, yeah, you're hoping that the injury isn't too bad. I'd imagine we're not going to see him against Luton, no matter what it is, because you want to risk him. But you'd like to think he can be back for the League Cup final. He's having a great season. He's a lot of goals, a lot of assists, and he's just proven to be such an effective player. So you forgive the misses when they happen, and you just lap up all those moments of magic when he delivers them. Yeah. The, the thing for me was that was probably the fourth option in in the list of things he could have done. You know, we could have squared it to Jota for the tap in. Jota was fuming at him as well for yeah, not doing I don't, it. Don't blame him really. <laughs> he could have went hard and low early, or he could have took it around him. But instead, he just decides to chip the keeper who's not even on the deck and it was a brilliant finish and I think the home end thought he'd skew it because yeah. it was like ironic tears wasn't it and then all of a sudden it just drops in and you're thinking has that gone in and unbelievable finish um, kind of sums up where he's at in terms of his confidence certainly since Boxing Day when he scored against Burnley he's been involved in so many goals in terms of assists or goals um, just a player in, in real confidence you know, even when he doesn't get on the score sheet or Oh, no, we got an assist in against Chelsea, but the Chelsea game where it was kind of remembered for him hitting the bar left and right, but he was he was sensational in that game as well. So um, He's injured for most of that game as well. Yeah, he played, played with a sore foot, and he, he's, um, he's in great form, and it's, you know, I'm sure Klopp will tell us the latest on the on that injury front tomorrow, but um, I'm hopeful that that's just a precaution and he will be fighting fit for Sunday because I think um, the form he's in, I think he can give... Chelsea did run around at Wembley. Yeah, I think he's Liverpool are definitely a much better team when he's yeah, in it. I think yeah. everyone can agree on that now. Um, but moving on to the second goal then, Alexis McAllister, again, it was a goal of immense quality, both from Salah with the assist, and we'll get on to Salah in a minute. But McAllister, I mean, I was saying to you earlier, Gorsi, I absolutely yeah. love him. I think he's a fantastic player. His versatility in midfield has been fantastic this season. Um, as a human being, he just seems like an absolutely great guy. Um, and yeah, a big, big fan of him and what he's brought to this team. And, and that goal was just an encapsulation of what he can bring to, to Liverpool. Brilliant, yeah. He got into the box, didn't he? Which I, th- I think he said after the game that he doesn't, he hasn't played number ten for Liverpool much, so he hasn't been able to, to do that as often as he would have liked. But it is a string to his bow, isn't it? Getting into the box and, and looking to kind of sniff out chances. Yeah, I agree with you. He's been he's been brilliant, really. You know what what a sort of twelve months he's had, or well, you know, maybe a little bit longer. Winning the World Cup with Argentina, finishing six with Brighton, getting them into Europe as one of their standout players, moving to Liverpool, starring for a team that's Premier League leaders, going to be in the cup final on Sunday. You know, if Liverpool finish the season strongly and whatever they end up doing, you're going to reflect on it and think he's been integral to, to a lot of it. Um, you don't, don't really see him and Endo in the same team much, do you? But I think, I think Endo was another one who was kind of underrated at the weekend. I thought he had another really good game and he just frees up... Um, McAllister to play a little bit further forward, doesn't he, in those kind of number eight pockets, or even, as we've seen with the goal, getting into the box, and it was a lovely touch and control, and stuck it away well, and um, yeah, only his second goal, I think, his first one will be his best ever Liverpool goal, <laughs> against Norwich in December, uh, not Norwich, Fulham, Fulham. Um, 
If that's the second time you've done that, it is, recently, it? which is always playing Orient. <laughs> so used to playing Norwich. Um, yeah, but he's having a great season, and I think you've got to look at it again and say another astute piece of business from Liverpool because he only cost 35 million release close. Um, the going right now for the top central midfielder is probably double that at least. So, yeah, um, superb. And he's only 24, so he's. Um, especially as they're ahead of him. Yeah, and there have been some questions about him at times this season, maybe more to do with the position that he's playing in, and he's coming for a little bit of, of criticism for that, but he's starting to look more and more assured, isn't he? He's starting to look more and more like a, a World Cup winning midfielder. Yeah, he's been superb. Like, I think we all said before Christmas we wanted to see him further forward, and now I'm seeing him further forward. Kind of missing being his number six. Like that Bournemouth game still stands out yeah. where he was just winning absolutely everything. He does so many good through balls from deep. Obviously, he doesn't have quite have the pace of other players, but he offers so much more. And I think it was um Carragher's done an interview with the Redman, hasn't he, when he was talking about Alonso, saying you have to be that much more intelligent when you don't have the pace, and that's why Alonso's shaping up to be a good manager because you think about the game differently. I think you can see comparisons there with McAllister because he is obviously a very intelligent player. And while he doesn't have the pace and he's not as physical as Graven Birch or not as uh, astute, maybe offensively, as Saboslai, he's been the standout midfielder, hasn't he, overall this season in two positions now. Like it only took him a few months to really adjust to that number six. And considering we've had, what, three, four years of Fabinho as an enforcer, you don't miss that anymore. You're happy with him there. But then when you've got Endo there unleashing him to be further forward, he's picking those through balls and he can make those right runs into the box. It's a really cool head to get past the defender and then slot it in the corner. Mm-hmm. And you look at Liverpool's leading goal scorers this season, number of the midfielders are scoring. We're only one Diaz goal away from all five forwards having double figures. It's a big difference from last year when it was just two, three players that were actually scoring the goals. Long may it continue for McAllister because with all these injuries, he's come back at the right time. He's hit form at the right time and he's going to be crucial whichever position he's playing. Yeah, and you mentioned Endo there earlier, Gorsi, and it is really nice to see him getting some plaudits yeah. Um, yeah. on social media and things the last few days. And, you know, I think everyone, myself included, when, when um, it was confirmed that he'd signed for Liverpool was slightly dubious. And I think you've got to give credit for Jürgen Klopp and, and Jörg, Jörg Smacker as well for um, for bringing him in, for, for spotting his potential, because he, he's delivering, isn't he? And he, he was integral to Liverpool's win on, on Saturday. Yeah, he's, he's really fine on his feet, isn't he? Um... He was a little bit of a specialist in the Cups, wasn't he, to begin with? Sort of the first maybe three, four months. But since maybe December time, he's, he's come into the team a lot more in the Premier League and he's, he's really starting to show what he can do. And, and I think Liverpool missed him a little bit, didn't he, when he went to the Asia Cup with Japan. So it was great to have him back. Um, th- there, was, there was a game, actually, I think it might have been Burnley on Boxing Day when he really stepped up to the plate. Difficult. Difficult place to go and all that. Boxing day could have easily been one where Liverpool took the right off the ball and, and I thought he was superb in that one. And yeah, like like Theo says, McAllister a little bit different type of profile as your kind of typical number six. Um, and those a bit more what you'd expect from from a player in that position. Snaps into tackles, keeps it simple, closes spaces, closes gaps, um, and can play a bit as well. To be fair to him. Um, Kind of see him dropping deep, don't we? You know, next to the, the centre backs, almost when the pool push up, and he's almost next to Van Dyke and and Canate. They become a back three at times with the full backs pushing on. Um, I think that's sort of what he gives you that McAllister maybe doesn't. Um, but yeah, he's he's been superb, and um, I mean, it's, it's difficult to really point out to anyone at the moment in the Liverpool squad who who isn't at 
the level you'd expect or anticipate. I think everyone's to a man having a great season and, and certainly a great sort of two, three months. Um, so, yeah, you know, that blip aside at Arsenal, if you can call that a blip, you know, like we say, one of the most difficult games of the season. Um, Liverpool are really right in the thick of it as we come towards the end of February, which is um, a surprise, I think, to, to a lot of people, but obviously a, a pleasant one. What I love most about Endo's game is there's so many games where he gets yellow cards early on and he's make, he knows when to make the right mm. foul and you never get close to saying, oh, he's going to be sent off here, he's in trouble. He just seems so intelligent. He knows how to win the ball. He knows when he needs to be a little bit dirty and stick in a late foot, but then he knows when also to hold it back to avoid that second booking. That's such intelligence there. And we've maybe not seen that from midfielders Liverpool in the past where they do pick up these silly second yellow cards. It's obviously a very smart player and they've done well bringing him in, knowing that he would shine at this higher stage despite not having that platform in the past. Yeah, it, it, it's a young squad. You know, aside from Van Dijk, Salah, maybe Alisson, it's a, it's a very young squad, isn't it? You know, Trent's been around for years, he's only 25. McAllister, 24. Nunes, 23. Zabaz Light, 23. Canate, 24, 25. So I think bringing him in has, has proven to be a little bit of a masterstroke, actually, because I think he turned 31 last week, but obviously... Plenty of experience with Stuttgart and with the Japanese national team who had a really good World Cup. Um, so he's he's kind of like the um, the, the sage head, isn't he? And, and the Gary McAllister, isn't he? Yeah, to yeah, yeah to guys. an extent, yeah. You know, especially when you look at everyone else, you know, Elliot Jones, both young, aren't they? Spozlai, Grabenberg, McAllister, they're all, they're all under 24. So, um, yeah, he's the kind of... Um, exceptions to the rule, but he's having a great season. Yeah, especially in the absence of, of Jordan Henderson and James mm. Milner, having that experience in midfield is really important. Although, if he does pick up two yellow cards in a game, three, anyway, I'm going to be blaming you for that, <laughs> jinxing him. Um, but just to touch on someone else who maybe went a little bit under the radar at, at the weekend, uh, Ryan Gravenberch, because he came in for a lot of criticism after the Arsenal game, perhaps some of it unwarranted when you consider all the caveats as to why he's maybe not completely flourished at Liverpool yet. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. But from coming on for, for Curtis Jones in the first half on Saturday, it was a big shoes to fill, a difficult place to, to go and play. And he, he had a hand in, in a couple of the goals and, and didn't really put a foot wrong. Yeah, he stepped up when his side needed him. I think Dorley and I were talking on the way down and were saying if he was in fine form, he probably starts that game because he is that physical midfielder. He's tall, so he's going to be a threat at set pieces. He's going to be good at both ends. But he's just not quite consistent enough, is he? But he's still a young player who has played this first year without a proper winter break. He didn't have a preseason. Yeah. He's not played for much football for a year. I think he had, what, 90 minutes in one of the cup games last month, and that would have been his only second, third, 90 minutes since he left Ajax. So it's going to take him time to find his feet when he's in another country again. But when he does look in good form, when he does step up, he can see why they like him and why they rate him so much. Like, he's good at winning the ball, he's good at keeping the ball, and he does pick out a smart pass. Like, he he's plays a big part in McAllister's goal, wasn't it? It's him working hard and getting it to Salah that led to that in the first place. And he's another player who's going to step up now with these injuries that we've got in midfield. Um, he could easily be starting the League Cup final next weekend, and that'd be a great chance for him to silence the doubters and showcase why Liverpool signed him and what he can bring to the table. He is a different to all the other midfielders, but he's still only, what, 21, 22 later this year. 
Um, you've had to be patient to see the best of Curtis Jones, who's a year older than him. You'd like to think that the patience is going to pay off again. I've seen it with so many of these players. Liverpool obviously like the look of him. That's why they wanted him from when they first played against him when he was at Ajax. Uh, it's paid off bringing him in. Maybe it'll pay off making him be that first choice midfielder in a few years' time. Yeah, I mean, I think you two might be playing in the League Cup final if these injuries <laughs> carry on. Bringing the boots Wednesday, anyway. <laughs> Get on the bench. Um, we've spoken about McAllister's finish for that second goal, but it was a lot to Salah's pass as well. And then Salah goes on, and it's a typical Salah goal, isn't yeah. it? Just his strength to hold mm. off the defender and, and finish coolly. And you could see what it meant to him that goal. He doesn't always celebrate particularly emphatically, Salah, but he was. You could tell he was clearly made up to to get on the score sheet. I mean, what a yeah. boost is it for Liverpool to have him back, especially in light of all the other injuries? Oh, it's, it's huge, isn't it? You know, um, you can't. You, you know, he'll have been desperate to have played a part and, and get back fit as soon as possible. You know, when he was on the sidelines. He's not used to being injured, is he? So I think all those kind of individual training programmes and all that type of stuff that he was working towards, I think he just would have been desperate to get fit as soon as possible. And he's come off the bench and he's made a real impact. Great goal, great assist. What I like about the goal is, is just the strength that he showed. And, and I think I think a lot of... I think even like players he comes up against, I think a lot of them take him for granted that he won't be as strong and powerful as he is, you know. I thought Ben Mee might have thought that uh, I'll just shepherd them out, shepherd them wider than the chance will go. And obviously Salah's made enough of the space and held off me to stick it away. And it's great to have him back, wasn't it? There was a little little period there in the second half where he gets hold of it and he's just kind of like drags it around on his foot and shifts like three players out the way and then he plays the pass. And it was just like a man full of confidence. And considering he hasn't played since New Year's Day for Liverpool, I thought it was a brilliant cameo and timely really given given Jota's injury and, and Nunez's what we hope is a precaution but yeah it's an ideal time for him to come back get amongst the um, the scorers again and he's on 19 now for the season so he's got to finish again with, with 20 at least isn't he and only won't be at Ireland in Premier League as well yeah he got what was it 31 last season somehow somehow considering Liverpool's terrible season he's still got 30 30 goals um, can he get to 30 again possibly can he there's still going to be plenty of games left um, but yeah, great to have him back and, and like I say, perfect time and really given what happened to Jota. Well, yeah. I agree with Klopp. He, he should have got a hat-trick on Saturday, shouldn't he? Like, the chance he does take is probably the hardest of the three. Yeah. Like, the first one, you can understand the rustiness. Diaz properly smashes this cross at him and it just bounces off the shin. When he's one-on-one for that second one, he, like, hits it with the inside of his yeah, foot. Yeah, that, that's pretty, was You're not used to seeing that from him. But uh, he was so alert because, like, you see the two defenders stuck in... Uh, like two minds, weren't they? Like which one of them's going to yeah. it? And he's just straight onto it. And then he's like practically falling over when he kicks at it, and he still gets the power to not overhit it, but get it in that corner. Like we saw a chance for Ivan Tony in the first half where it's not quite as difficult, and he's under pressure and he's put it wide. Salas was more difficult, and he's found the corner there. And for him, it's great for him to come back in time for the League Cup final. Like he'll be disappointed he missed out on Afghan the way he does, yeah. and the backlash he's had back in his homeland as well. He's the Egypt captain. He's not going to have many years left to compete for these trophies. And Egypt had a, a really poor tournament with him not being able to make much of an impact in it. Yeah, we got, I think, another AFCON next summer. Then there's the World Cup after that. He's going to be, what, mid-30s by then? It's like, how much of an impact is he going to be able to make at this stage? Well, at least now we can come back, maybe get a trophy for the pool next weekend, push on for the Premier League, the Europa League, the FA Cup. He's coming back at a good time providing he can stay injury-free. Like This was the longest layoff, I'd imagine, of his Liverpool career. So age is maybe catching up a little bit and the fact that they have to be patient, they have to take time to get him back. 
but when he is on the pitch, he shows how sharp he is to get the damage done. Yeah, I mean, Theo mentioned as long as he can stay injury-free, and there was a report overnight from On Time Sports yeah. over in Egypt. They sort of suggested that he's an injury-doubtful Liverpool at the moment with some some fatigue after after playing on Saturday. Have mm. you got any, any updates on that, Gordon? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting one, that. It's, it's one of those things now is the way Liverpool fans are so kind of racked by anxiety that any kind of mention of, a, of an injury spreads like wildfire and and this was a I can't remember the, the guy's name but I've had him described to me today as kind of Egypt's answer to, to Gary Lineker and that, and that was a, on time sports which is one of their big TV shows in Egypt and and he said you know that he, he's been told that Salah's got an injury and he's going to miss the game against Luton um, I think he, I think he said it was a recurrence of the injury that's just kept them out um, speaking, speaking to people today you know they, they weren't aware of, of anything like that but he suggested that he'll be getting looked over by the medical team just because he's been out injured. And that's a kind of routine thing that happens when a player comes back from injury. You know, first things first on a Monday morning, they have a little recovery session and, and see if there's anything to report. And hopefully the answer is no and, and he is okay and, and can certainly be fit for, for the final on Sunday. But knowing kind of the, the player that he is and, and the way his, his mind works to an extent, he'll be desperate to, to play on Wednesday as well and, and get back into the swing of things after... You know, not starting. Well, he hasn't started since New Year's Day, has he? So, um, we'll see on that one. Klopp will give us an update tomorrow, but um, at the moment, I, I wouldn't be too worried about that one. Yeah, I mean, one player who might need to step up in the absence of, of certainly Diogo Jota, potentially Mo Salah and, and Darwin Nunes as well, is Cody Gakpo. And I feel a little bit sorry for him because he, he came to the club and he had, you know, a, a slightly turbulent sort of couple of months people sort of questioning where does he really fit in in this Liverpool side mm. and then a phenomenal end to, to last season and, and looked sort of nailed on to be the starter it was Darwin Nunes who actually dropped out of the starting lineup this season the roles are reversed Cody Gakpo has been reduced mainly to, to a role on the bench and that being said you know in, in 34 appearances this season he, he's still got 10 goals and 5 assists which isn't a bad return at all when you consider that a number of those starts have, have come off the bench um, he gets the fourth one on Saturday benefits from some poor defending from Brentford but still has to has to finish and he does that with a plum I mean positive signs considering that he might have to step up in these next few weeks yeah definitely like he's a player that he was first choice at the start of the season granted he had to go in midfield for a couple of games but he was the central striker even when Nunes was coming off the bench and getting those two goals against Newcastle you still felt Gakpo was the go-to and Nunes was more the impact player. And then he, he gets injured, scoring his goal against Tottenham. And he's sort of been playing catch-up since then when Nunes has thrived and made that position his own. He's had games where he started and he's not really made much of an impact. Uh, but he has got the goals and the assists coming when he's turned off the bench. And he's not really had that nailed-down position, as you'd say. Like, I think it was at Man City. He came on in midfield. And then they took off one of the strikers and he thought he was going to go, be going up front. It's like, no, you stay there. Elliot's going on the right. Salah's going up front. We've had games where he's been on the right, where he's been on the left. So we've not really seen him have a good run as a central striker for a while. And considering we didn't think that was going to be his position when he first joined and he adapted to it so well, you feel like he, he does need that run there. So it's really good that he does get 45 minutes there and he gets a, a goal and assist. He gets the flick on for Salah's goal too. He's obviously a very intelligent player. When you need that extra body in midfield, he can drop deep and do that Firmino role so well. Completely different threat to Nunes, but there are games when you're going to need that. And you just want to see him get a run of games now, which he might do, depending on how these injuries are going. I think the last two times they've played Brentford, he actually played in midfield. So that, that was something that I was considering going into this one. But then for him to come out of it, having played up front, 
and stepped up again and reminded, hey, I'm still here too. I've got the double figures now. It's what you need. Like think back to other seasons well of we've been competing on all four fronts. Like two years ago, Minamino was getting double figures. Gapper's obviously having more of an impact than he did because he actually plays in the league games or play in the European games. Thinking back to when the, the won the treble before, so many players were providing goals in these range of competitions like the Danny Murphy or Vladimir Smeenza isn't just the starting eleven. You need the whole squad to step up. He's one of those players that certainly is. Yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, a lot of the comments that we, we're getting at the moment are regarding injuries. I mean, as you say, Gorsi, you'll find out more tomorrow in, in Jurgen Klopp's press conference. Just on, on Diogo Jota, because that looked to be the yeah. most serious yeah. one. Any any updates on that? Any indications? Yeah, there was a there was a report that came out on Sunday night from Record in Portugal suggesting that two months is the initial time frame. Uh, Liverpool not putting a time frame on it as of yet, but... Um, kind of suggested that that might not be too far wrong. It, it's not a cruciate injury, which, which is a big plus. It's, uh, it is in the injury, but they are waiting for kind of the swelling to die down and, and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, when you've got fluid around an injury, I guess it, it doesn't really show up, you know, scans that can give you a decent timeline, really. So Liverpool waiting for, for further assessments on that. But, um, you know, it's put to me that... Jota's desperate to um, to make sure that he still plays a part in, in this end of the season running. So, you know, it, let's say, for example, that two months is, is accurate. He's going to come back for, what, the final month of the season? Um, you know, he could still be so so useful for Liverpool, couldn't he, particularly the form that he was in prior to that injury. You know, he's desperate to make sure that he makes it for Portugal at the Euros, given that he missed out on the World Cup as well. That's something that he really wants to, to prove himself for. So... Yeah, let, let's hope it can be rehabbed and we're, we're talking about weeks rather than months. But, um, yeah, a, a real desperate one for him and just come at the wrong time, didn't it, given the form that he's been in since he, he came back from that um, that hamstring injury on Boxing Day at Burnley. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's not going to make it for the final, which is a, a cruel blow for him and, and for Liverpool in general. But, you know, if he can still play a part in, in this season, then I think Liverpool have, have done well to avoid a, a serious one. Yeah, I mean, no injury is a good injury in two months, especially at this stage of the season. It's still a lengthy layoff. But when there were sort of initial rumours that it could be an ACL or an MCL potentially requiring surgery, could be out for six to nine months, doesn't look touch wood like it's going to be that long. You know, at that point, you start thinking about next season, how how much of next season is the injury going to eat into? So for the, the fact that you might still have a part to play this season is, is really encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, like when those first reports broke last night, it was a relief going two months. I'll take that. I'll shake on that because when you think it was Norgard who isn't a small player by any means he's going to mm. be some whack of weight just landing on his knee and the stretcher comes on as well it doesn't look good you did all just assume that's his season done there and it was really unfortunate that he has been knocked here when he's in such good form it's so unfortunate as well because it's not like he's done a muscle injury and you can go oh what are the medical team doing or he's been rushed back or anything they took their time to get him back from the hamstring injury hit form and he looked unstoppable and then it's just a freak injury out of nowhere, a player landing on his leg that could miss out. So that's a crucial part of the season. But if he's back April time, when they've got the Premier League to compete for, Europa League, maybe FA Cup as well, and then he could prove himself before the Euros, that, that's a big home, um, something for him to aim for, to go for. Like he'll want to get his hands on these trophies, doing something for Portugal at the Euros. Like we saw a couple of years ago when he was in great form, a similar time of the season, got an unfortunate injury and he wasn't quite the same during the final weeks of that year he lost his starting place 
Diaz came in and deservedly so was first choice. Mane went central. You're hoping it's not a case of he's going to be a bit frustrated here. Uh, but yeah, for two week, um, months, I'll take that all day long because he has been such a good form. You want him back as soon as possible. Yeah, it's a sort of injury really that seems to be summing up Liverpool's look at the moment. Again, it can't yeah. be pinned on the medical department. Completely freak injury and it's sort of similar one for Curtis Jones in the sense it wasn't. It doesn't look like it was a muscle problem. He just sort of landed funny on it on his ankle. Perhaps did Norgar catch him before? Yeah, it was it was an awkward one, wasn't it? I don't know how much of a vantage point you had at the game itself, but it didn't appear to be the initial contact. It was the kind of landing that, that's yeah. done it. Um, yeah, he he had a, a scan yesterday, um, not not being ruled out as of yet for the final. There is hope that he can play, but again, it just depends on on what comes back with those further assessments today. Liverpool are, are back in today after having yesterday off, I think. So um, we'll wait and see, but. Um, be an, be another blow, wouldn't it? If, if he couldn't play, because again, you know, for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. And if you actually go through it, you know, I think I counted seven. Don't know what your first choice or, or your first choice Liverpool eleven would be if everyone's fit. You know, it's always the same, isn't it? If you're playing a cup final this week, well, what's your starting eleven? The Liverpool do have a cup final, and for me, they've got seven of of my starting eleven out injured. Um, possibly more if if bad news comes back on Nunes and or Salah. So. Yeah, it's, it's all just coming at the wrong time for Liverpool. But um, like we said, they're not using it as an excuse or, you know, explanations for why they're not winning. They're just doing the best to ignore it and carry on with who is fit and they're all stepping up. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We can take it either way with Jones as well because it looked like there was a moment where he was thinking he might try and play on that he mm. wanted to give it a yeah. go and told him to come off. But then he isn't a player that comes off easily. But he would have carried on if he, he could. You don't see him stay down very often. He's one of those players that just plays through everything. And he's just been unfortunate with injuries in the past. So you'd like to think that he's been talked into coming off just so they can be safe with it because they know what the squad depth there. For him to concede defeat is obviously something. Fingers crossed for him that he can be fit for the final. But if not, just as long as it's not too long. He's back for like a Man City, for example, mm. next month. That's probably the game you're aiming for every, all these players to yeah. come back for if they can be. Also as well, I feel like we have to point out that when, when players leave games and Jones left in a protective booth, didn't he? Jota left in a knee brace. I think they were both on crutches. You know, that sounds disastrous, doesn't it? But it's, it's different to us leaving the ground on crutches and knee braces. You know, these are professional sportsmen who need... To well, Klopp said that in his press. Take every kind of precaution possible, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think sometimes supposed to see that or they hear that and they immediately fear the worst, but that is just par for the course when, you, when you're playing the Premier League. Yeah, they need to be protected, don't they, these, exactly, these players? Yeah. They're elite athletes. So hopefully some of those injuries aren't as bad as, as first they feared. I mean, someone who will be playing in, in the cup final, I think, you know, pretty much certainly next weekend is is Queen Kelleher. Obviously came in for Allison, which was another huge blow for Liverpool to, to find out, you know, the on the eve of, of that Brentford game that he was out with a with a hamstring issue, having just returned fr- from illness. Yeah. That was a, a huge blow. I mean, any updates on him, Gorsty? No, 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 nothing on, on Alisson as of yet. I think Doyle did the story on Friday, didn't he, about Alisson having a hamstring injury. You know, what do they normally take three, four weeks to to heal up? I mean, it's just Liverpool's luck that it's the goalkeeper who, who gets a hammy. You normally get them through kind of... Second time this season too. Yeah, it's kind of what endurance, burst of speed and covering distance and all that type of stuff. And he, he's covering the width of his post and still getting injured. Um, 
yeah, big week for Callagher, isn't it? You know, he's already played more more times this season in the Premier League than he has in any of his other seasons at Liverpool. He's going to make his fifth Premier League appearance tomorrow at Luton. Could become a two-time League Cup winner, couldn't he, by Sunday night? So, um, good luck to him, because it's going to be a big week and a big big few weeks for him, really. It's at least a, a good week for him to be coming in. Like You look at the games. Brentford, yeah, you'd rather start at Allison, but Luton at home should be routine. Mm. Uh, he's starting the League Cup final anyway. And then the FA Cup game after that, Allison would have come back in, but you don't mind with him starting there. At least I have got time for Allison to overcome his hamstring injury. He missed three games last time, and that was over two weeks. So you mentioned that Man City game. That's maybe that long-term aim for Allison if it's not a more severe hamstring injury. And when the news first broke, I don't think people really believed it because only a few hours earlier, Klopp had said, "Yep, yeah, Ali's back. He's overcome that illness." But yeah, it's another unfortunate one. At least Keller steps up at time and time again. He made some big saves again at the weekend. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm not laughing at your assessment of, of Queen Keller. I'm laughing because we've just had a comment. I wonder if you can both guess who has, has left this comment. Where is that attractive older man who occasionally frequents this podcast? It's lovely to have you young whippersnappers on it, but I do miss that older gentleman's person and views. Any any guesses who that comes from? I'm just glad that he's, he's included me in the, in the young whippersnappers <laughs> description, to be honest. Yeah, Mr. Ian Doyle is, is watching along. So you're enjoying the the partying. Um, But yeah, I mean, moving on then to to Wednesday night and and Luton should be, as Theo said, a a routine win. But sometimes those are the games that often prove the the trickiest. I mean, they looked impressive yesterday yesterday against Manchester United, that first sort of six minutes aside. Yeah, 40 Um, seconds in. But I mean, how important is it that Liverpool just carry this winning run? Yeah, it's... um... Weirdly, I, I don't think there's that much of a difference between the importance of the two games this week, given that obviously City slipped up the near the weekend and, and now there's a little bit of breathing space between them, which is something of a rarity in Liverpool's favour. Um, the injury list is crippling them. We talk about that at length, haven't we, on the pod? So it's, it's going to be a difficult one because I think he might make changes, but he can't make too many because hasn't got them to make so um yeah it's a big one but i think there's not many other you know if you're saying you've got a cup final on sunday and you've got all these injuries there are not many other fixtures you perhaps choose other than a home game with respect against luton on, on the wednesday night i think they're a decent side i think they've got a really good chance of staying up rob edwards has got them well drilled and and they know what they're doing as a team they just perhaps lack a little bit of quality in, in certain areas Ross Barkley's having a, having a great season, rolling back the years. Um, I like Hog Benny on on the on the flank. He, he caused Trent, I think, a few problems in the um, the game of Canterbury Road. So, yeah, it's not a given, but I think Liverpool should have enough about them to to come through around Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, Ross Barkley always seems to have a good game against Liverpool, doesn't he? Unfortunately, um, hopefully that's not the case on Wednesday night. Um, Looking ahead then to the weekend, obviously Chelsea have had a little bit of an upturn in form of late. They've been playing a little bit better, certainly in the first half against Manchester City. They, you know, they had some yeah. real chances. Could have probably been out of sight at, at one point. Edison made a couple of good saves, um, and a, and a really big point for them on the road with all of Liverpool's injuries. I mean, you've got to say as well, Chelsea have had their fair share of injuries yeah. this season, and at the moment have Some it. do as well. Too, yeah, to be fair. I, I think most teams do. Um, but um, in light of the, the calibre of player that Liverpool have out. Are you, are you a little bit more worried about this game on Sunday? Um, 
a little bit like it's a cup final if you can't get yourself motivated for motivated for that you're in the wrong game like chelsea aren't going to be as bad as they were in the, the 4-1 we've seen so many finals against them recently and it's gone to penalties each time hasn't it the super cup and the two domestic cup finals a couple of years ago where they had chances they've got players that have got a point to prove and liverpool they're not going to be that you'd imagine as liberal offensively as they were at anfield because you, you do have to be a little bit more conserved in a a cup final, like you, you don't want to risk defeat. You want to be a bit more in control of it. Yes, I, I find. Sorry to interrupt. But I always find that Liverpool don't do themselves justice in, in cup finals. I mean, yeah. the one, the ones who win, they're always, they're always really hard fought wins, aren't they? Yeah, that's not like we can look back on and go, oh, that was a really convincing win. Like you got a couple of a two nils in there and our time following them, but that's still goal at the start, goal at the end. They've had to properly grind it out. There's been no games where you can just relax from the first five minutes even when you go what one nil up in the champions league final after 90 yeah. seconds you're still sweating until the very end um and chelsea it would just be sod's law in a season where they're as bad as they are they come and win this trophy they come and get this final out and turn up and have put in their performance of the season so far but you just think that liverpool have got players with a point to prove win that first trophy for Liverpool or senior players that can win one of the last trophies Liverpool go and start this run-in with Klopp's farewell tour on a high surely they've got enough about them but we'll talk about this more in detail on Friday won't we yeah you know you know the way like some some fan bases and and some clubs have certain things about them that, that they always say is kind of theirs with you know Spurs for whatever reason always seem to say oh that, that's very Spurs or whatever it is I think Liverpool's is probably making it difficult in, in cup finals um Certainly, this century, you know, the the players change and the managers change and all that type of stuff. But Liverpool, going back to the two thousand one season, you know, Championship side in the final, beat them on pens, needed two late goals against Arsenal in the FA Cup final, golden goal against Alaves. And they were like three one up. Wasn't yeah, it? Something. They had two goal leads a couple of FA times. Cup final. Gerard last yeah. minute equaliser, then beat them on pens after scoring, conceding their own goal and a free goal from Pincheski. The Cup Final 2012, Championship team on penalties. Um, you know, going back to the the Cup Finals in 2022, both of them on penalties. Just seems to be... FIFA Club World Cup, extra time. Yeah. Super Cup yeah. penalties. Like the Champions League Final, you mentioned, you know, early goal, late goal. There just seems to be something about Liverpool and Cup Finals. And OK, they do get over the line a lot, but um, it's just it's always a struggle. It's always a battle, no matter who they're playing. And, and that's why I think... Sunday is is no foregone conclusion at all, despite beating them four one about three weeks ago. We want like a city, was it Watford Cup final where you just put five <laughs> past them? Like you think back to the nineties games that you always remember Cup finals. They're like, was it Barcelona Milan and that was like a four 0 in a Champions League final? Mm. Uh, Chelsea United was four 0 in the FA Cup final. It'd be nice if Liverpool could just do that to Chelsea on Sunday, wouldn't it? Well, let's hope so. I mean, going back to to when Liverpool won. The, the League Cup a couple of years back. It was, I think, the great thing about the Carabao Cup, and we're all big fans of it on this podcast, is that it's a nice trophy in the bag if you win it early on in the season, mm. and that can potentially spare you on. I mean, when you look at the the amount of comings and goings that's been at Liverpool over the past 12 months, for for a lot of those new players who've come in and haven't won a trophy with Liverpool yet, that's it. It would be a really important milestone for them to get out of the way, wouldn't it? Yeah, 100%. It, it just adds to the, to the legacy, doesn't it, of, of what this team, this era has done. And okay, it's not going to be the, the crown and glory if they add another League Cup to the pot, but it just continues that culture of success and, and gives the players, like you say, you haven't been there and done it before, something to hang the hat on and, and go and kind of produce their best form for the, for the last knockings of the season. So 
it's an important one, isn't it? It's um, you know, it it just kind of adds to Klopp's overall legacy as well, doesn't it? When you talk about him leaving and you know, you, whatever it is, eight major honors, nine major honors, whatever it ends up being, um, just a real good opportunity. And, you know, Liverpool barely got out to second gear to get into the final. Played a lot of the the fringe players, if you like, and here they are now in the final with a chance to win it against the team who they beat convincingly only a few weeks ago. So um, it's it's really there for them. But like we say, there are some factors that mean that it's not going to be um, a walkover. It's not just those new signings either, is it? It's the younger ones in the squad, your Jones, your Elliot, yeah, uh, yeah. your Connor Bradley. Like Bradley played in the, the League Cup early rounds two years ago. Klopp did shout his name out um, in the post-match press conference saying we're here because of players like Connor Bradley. But obviously, he was nowhere near that squad for the final. I think Elliot only made the bench because Thiago got injured in the warm-up and he might have been missing for the FA Cup yeah, or the Champions League. And Jones is in a similar boat where they the names that were usually left out of the match day squad when all the players were back. But they've been around the team that have won all these trophies, but now they're in the team. It's their start at 11. They can step up and go, I'm going to win this trophy for Liverpool. You, if they make that next step, it's passing on the baton to the next generation. And then in a few years' time, when there's no Van Dijk, there's no Salah, there's no Alisson, they'll be even more leading stars and they'll be looking on to bring on the next younger players behind them. Yeah, I mean, just going back quickly to, to the Premier League, because we mentioned earlier City and Chelsea drawing against each other at the weekend and a rare sight of, of City dropping points mm. at home. They obviously play Brentford before Liverpool play play Luton. Um, Liverpool four points ahead of them with a game, with City having played the game less. Um, it, how psychologically, how, how much of a difference do you think that, that could make going into that Manchester City game? Because I think, obviously, if... if City would have won their game in hands. They could have been potentially going into that City City game at Anfield, yeah, ahead yeah. of Liverpool in the table. But now, obviously, Liverpool, if they win all of their, their games, will still be a point ahead. I think psychologically, that could prove massive. Yeah, points. huge. I mean, it, it gives them a little bit of wriggle room, doesn't it? A bit of breathing space, and Liverpool know that it's in their hands. You know, if they go and win the win every game now from now until the end of the season, and they're the champions, and of course that draw against City, yes, still be champions. There you go. Of course, it's it's obviously a big ask, and, and Arsenal are a huge factor in it all as well. But just knowing that it's, uh, I mean, for the change, it's it's Liverpool who have been chased as opposed to the other way around. You know, two years ago, I remember Liverpool's draw in the Chelsea in early January, and I think Liverpool were maybe 11, 12 points off City, and then every week you you're looking at a thing and. You need City to drop something here, drop something here. And eventually Liverpool, you know, reeled them back in, but couldn't do it, couldn't get over the line. Um, but obviously City beating Villa on the final day and all that, but this time around it's a little bit different at the moment, isn't it? So so we'll see. But I think this Liverpool team have proven that it takes a lot to beat them. You know, they need a real off day against the top-quality opposition for them to, to drop points. And um, here we are again. Liverpool v City for the title, and then there's an extra little subplot of Arsenal. So it's uh, it's going to be fascinating, really, whatever happens. It'd be nice to beat them to the title by a point on the last day for once, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, nice bit of symmetry too, wouldn't it? Well, definitely. Um, just want to touch on quickly before we wrap up on, on Liverpool women, because another big win for them yesterday that keeps them in fifth fifth place, only two points behind Manchester United in fourth. Now, just for context, last season, United finished 33 points ahead of Liverpool. Mm. So there's still eight games to play and the quality of both of the squads probably indicates that, that United will 
widen that gap as the, as the season draws to a close. But it's a it's a real testament, isn't it, Gorsty, to what the club have done in, yeah. in terms of, of yeah. really helping to, to close that gap to, to the WSL's big hitters. Yeah, I, I was speaking to someone at Anfield a few weeks ago uh, about the, the women's team and I kind of said, oh, you know, are they just looking to sort of consolidate again and, and kind of build, you know, sort of incrementally? And and they said, oh, no, I, I think I think the feeling is that they, they, they really want to make some, some big strides this season on the map beard. And it wasn't a particularly great game yesterday, was it? They obviously get the goal through a horrendous mistake from the Brighton goalkeeper and uh, Kerry Holland sticks it away. And sometimes, you you know, when the games aren't great, you just have to, to nick one. And, and they've come away with, with three points, three big away points on the road and just seem to be um, seem to be developing nicely at the moment. I suggest you, you obviously know more than me, but it just feels like something's um, quietly building there. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's so important, isn't it, Theo, that, you know, Liverpool are these absolute juggernauts on the men's side of things, have come under a lot of criticism in the last few years for the way that they've dealt with the women's team, and rightly so. But now it does seem to be on the up. That's that's really important for a club like Liverpool, isn't it, to, to be making that statement with the women's team and ensuring that they're on an upward trajectory as well. Yeah, definitely. It's like that for, across the whole women's game, isn't it? You want them all to be stepping up. Like Liverpool have looked to rectify previous mistakes by buying Melwood back, so they've got these proper training facilities and the team is coming on leaps and bounds. We think they only won promotion two years ago and now doing so well in the league. It would have been easy for them to just get relegated, fall back down again, not the funding there. But Liverpool are looking after them and making sure they are taking these big steps. And it's good to see that it isn't just the first team players that little kids can look up to. It's the women's team as well. You've got heroes there like uh, Miss Bo Kearns. She's obviously the local hero, but there's so many there. And if they keep on making these leaps and bounds, maybe they'll be challenging for the titles again in a couple of years and it'll be a clean sweep. Was it only uh, last week where we had a weekend where the first team won, the women won, the 18s won, the 21s won? Uh, it'd be nice if we had a few more weeks like that where it's just clean sweep victories all around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I won't do team predictions for, for Luton because we don't actually really know who's going to be <laughs> yeah. available. Um, but we'll go with score predictions. Gorsi, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Liverpool have been really strong at home and I'm feeling the season having the only two games that they haven't won, Arsenal and United. So... Yeah, I think a, a nice little 2-0 win set them off into the cup final with um, me and Theo bringing our shinies and our boots. Theo? Um, it depends who's available and who's fit, really. Like, if you're going against Luton and Salah's fit to start and you've got a Nunes on the bench, I reckon you could put three, four goals past them. So I'll be confident and go for a 3-0. Let's get a clean sheet in there before the cup final. Not had many for a while, and it'd be a nice little boost for Keller as well if you can get one. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, another big week ahead then for Liverpool. We'll be back again on Friday to look ahead to the Carabao Cup final. But for now, thanks for listening. We've been the Blood Red Podcast. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.